No matter how insurmountable a situation you might find yourself in, there is almost always a way to overcome it. Hey, everybody, I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and today on Growing Bolder, you're going to meet a man who grew up trapped in a world of drugs and violence and crime, only he found a way out, an escape, but he didn't just do it so he could survive. Find out what he says is responsible for his incredible transformation from being part of the problem to reaching out to others to help being part of the solution. Bishop Vance Olds joins us in just minutes. Yeah, he is one of a kind, folks. Also on today's program, proof that if you want to keep moving, you got to keep moving. We're going to dive into the pool with Mary Ann Cooper, just saying her name makes me smile, who at the age of 96 was swimming at the U.S. Masters National Championship. What she has to say is sure to inspire you. But first, we're going to go boulder backstage with the great Lindsey Buckingham. How's he doing after a heart attack and vocal damage? Why was he kicked out of Fleetwood Mac, and will he ever play with them again? Big questions. The answers are coming up. Hope, inspiration, and possibility, folks. It's time for Growing Boulder. I am Bill Schaefer, and this is Growing Boulder. Huge guest right now, a rock and roll Hall of Famer, named by Rolling Stone as one of the greatest guitarists of all time. You know him from his countless hits with Fleetwood Mac. He has new music out, his first solo album in a decade, and it is fantastic. It's called Lindsey Buckingham. Let's say hi to Lindsey Buckingham. Hey, how are you, man? I'm good, Bill. How are you? I can't I can't tell you how great it is to have the chance to talk to you, especially after man, can we start off with with the bypass and, and what you went through? Because <laughs> we think, Lindsay, if it can happen to you, oh my God, it could happen to anybody. Yes. I mean, you know, I'm known for being sort of age inappropriate, jumping around on stage and uh, having all that energy. Um well, you know, what happened was I was actually in having a a minor procedure that where they had to put me under and I came out of it and I, my chest was feeling sort of bad and I said so. And luckily I was in a sort of a quasi medical environment already. So they, um, an ambulance came and took me to the hospital and it turned out that I was having a heart attack. So, I mean, they basically went in and did a bypass. Uh, and, um, I, you know, it, it I, feel like it was a gift really because had i not been in uh, uh that nurturing an environment in that moment you know maybe uh things wouldn't have turned out so well but uh got the bypass and that took care of uh, any potential problems and um and i'm doing great now so uh you know it's all good you know, thank good. You could have been in the middle of nowhere when that happened. Yeah, and I know. Tell me about it. Thank goodness. Yeah, and, so but that timing is everything. <laughs> so, so then we hear, but okay, so he's okay from that. But you know, he's got vocal cord damage, and we don't know how long that's going to last. Are you doing okay? Yes, that was a, a one that I certainly did not. Well, I certainly didn't see the bypass coming either. But yeah. I guess someone was a little overzealous in putting a breathing tube down my throat, and um, 
for a period of months, I really did not have a singing voice, and even my speaking voice was a little shaky. And, it, you know, I went to uh, a guy in Boston who was, deals with a lot of singers who have voice problems like this, and he said, well, you know, he couldn't guarantee it was going to come back, but he said, there's nothing to do but just wait, and, and it will get better. And it has. It's gotten, you know, I mean... It's pretty much back now. So um, I've been rehearsing now for a few weeks, and we're getting ready to hit the road. And and that week was, for me, always going to be the acid test as to whether, you know, um, doing a whole set would would be possible or not. And it's been great. So everything's uh, full speed ahead. Well, man, that must that must have been a time of terror for you. I mean, it's the it's the one thing well, you rely on. You know, I mean, you kind of have to take everything with a sense of humor. All the stuff that, that we've all been through for so many years, and it was just one more thing. And uh, so I, I never lost my faith that, that everything was going to come back around, and luckily it did. So uh, I just tried to keep my cool, and and it, it seemed to have served me well. Lindsay, did you feel did you feel like the heart thing was kind of like hanging over your head? You know, I, I know you had a brother that had almost the same thing, died at 45. Yeah, I mean, I do have a history of that in my family. My dad also passed away at 56 of a heart attack. So, I mean, it's something that was there. But, you know, uh, I also have an older brother who's great. And so, you know, I, I sort of thought, well, I guess... I got lucky, and, and and I wasn't overly worried about it. I was watching my diet and my cholesterol and everything, but you know, you just you just don't know. We're talking with Lindsay Buckingham. As an artist, you just keep pushing. You're taking chances. You're reflecting things that are happening, like you can see into all of our lives. And one of your new songs on the new album is called "Time." Some people never die. Some never live. Oh, time, where did you go? And I have to say that nobody makes 71 look cooler than you do. Do you do you hear the clock ticking? Well, I have to say, you know, that song from the time when I recorded it, because, you know, this album has been ready to go for like three years. And then between, you know, health issues and then, of course, the pandemic, it just kept getting kicked down the road. And, and I think in that period of time I, I think the the meaning of that song has become certainly more visceral for me and um, and I you know the lyric has taken on something a little more subjective than it, it did when I recorded it so yeah we're doing that's we're finishing our set with that it's, it's such a great song. And, you know, speaking of time, it's been, I guess, about three years now that Fleetwood Mac decided to move on without you. Or, or at least Stevie apparently hit them with a him or me scenario. So what, is, what does Lindsay do? He puts his thoughts into a wistful, driving, heartfelt tune called Swan Song. Is it right to keep mm. me waiting? Is it right to make me hold <laughs> on so long in the shadow of our Swan Song? And, Lindsay, do you, do you think that there will be a final tour where you guys will be able to go out again? Uh, I, you know, it's very hard for me to speculate with any level of clarity about that. Um, you know, as as you mentioned, you know, it, it was a kind of an ultimatum that Stevie put to the band, and and yet I I also have heard that she wasn't particularly happy on on that 
tour that they did without me either. And, and you know, in the interim, in fact, I'm seeing Mick Fleetwood for dinner tomorrow night, but he and I, when, when I talk to him now, you know, he speaks in terms of wanting to get the five of us back together. And I'm sure Christine and John would love that. It's really just w- whether Stevie it would be ready for something like that. And look, you know, I, I understand. Whatever she feels she has to do is, is fine. I Obviously, the only thing that, that, that I get protective about is that, look, for 43 years, my God, we <laughs> we rose above so many difficulties, personal and musical, but but mostly personal, in, in order to continue to fulfill our destiny as Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, um, the issues that led to my leaving the band were so trivial by comparison with the things that we historically have been able to rise above, and and that that element of the band is is such a part of the legacy that I I just felt that you know the last tour they did didn't really honor that legacy very well and and that would be one reason I would come back like a shot if if there was uh, you know uh, an agreement to do that because it it would put put the band band's legacy back in place where it belongs. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, it's not even a question. I mean, when you left after Tango, you did that to help make them save their lives, you know, get, especially Mick and Stevie, try to wake up and see what they were doing to themselves. I mean, you, you've shown that you've done so much. You've gone out of your way. You've made the band better. You've been like, you've been the Brian Wilson, the, the guy who helped make oh. that band come Really, you know, get, have you ever like written a one, four, five song? I mean, everything you do is so <laughs> interesting, and you've taken the things that that they brought in, and you, you just gave it that little edge, you know, that that makes those the soundtrack, you know, of our youth. And I don't know if 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 they respect that as much as the rest of us do. Well, I I very much appreciate you having that insight and for for saying it. To me, um, I, I think they they do appreciate that. I mean, certainly within the band, people know what what it was that I contributed. Or, but at the same time, I think as with any family, you can kind of lose your perspective and you can kind of take things for granted. And I probably took things for granted too. Um, but yes, I, I I very much appreciate you having that insight uh, because. That's what I've always tried to do anyway. Well, it's there are very few guys like you in the music business, guys who like normally you sit around you sit down to write a song, right? And you're thinking in your head, okay, what's the structure? What about you're a guy who like you go by instinct and you go by feel, and that's why those songs like bore inside of us because it's not a formula. It's not you're not making a, a cross stitch with a pattern. You're you're creating from scratch and you always want to push well, you yourself. Know, I, I, I started playing guitar. I started teaching myself guitar when I was six years old, and I never took a lesson. And so everything I've done has been sort of self-taught and therefore, you know, from the heart and and, and from feel and not from formula and not from what might be deemed to be correct. (laughs) And um, so I I don't really have a good sense of anything other than what feels right to me. And and so there's a kind of a subjective reality to that, which again, I think it's, it's served me 
and hope, hopefully uh, everything else that I've been around, Fleetwood Mac, certainly, you know, hopefully it served it well. So, so think of this, Lindsay. What you've done professionally, you've also kind of shown us personally over the last few years. There, there's been so much for you to handle. You really revealed your mm-hmm. character, your person, what you're all about. There's talk of a divorce with your wife of 21 years. Lindsay, don't you get you're doing this all wrong? Aren't things supposed to get easier as we get older? <laughs> yes, they are, I guess. But, you know, um, this is just part of the the life that I've built for myself. I mean, I, I've never wanted to settle. I've never wanted to sort of paint myself into a corner and, and live uh, a life that has been a sort of, uh, you know, more concerned with external expectations um, as, as far as, you know, my wife and I go, you know, yes, papers were filed. Uh, what I found out is that uh, a lot of people do that, and then that becomes sort of the impetus to try to work things through. And we are indeed um, trying to uh, work out our stuff. And, and I have uh, pretty, uh, I'm pretty optimistic that we will actually do that, you know, um, there's a big difference between filing and signing. And so, um, you know, it's been, that's, again, another one I didn't really see coming, but, you know, it it, it helps me to kind of take a look at myself and my own, uh, you know, limitations that I maybe put into our relationship and to try to make it better and and so, you know, it, that, it's a work in progress at this point. There is, there is no, uh, nothing definitive going on in terms of, of us parting ways. And hopefully uh, we will reconcile. And I'm, that's what I think we're both hoping for. Well, do know, Lindsay, that we're all we're all rooting for you here because, you know, we kind of go through the same thing in this life stage. And and you you're a great example because you've always been kind of that late bloomer. You know, you found her kind of later in life. You became a father for the first time. You're almost 50. Age doesn't really seem to matter much to you. So to help us that are also getting older, what what are your thoughts? What's your (laughs) philosophy on aging? Well, I, I think it is just a number, and you know, if you if you are grounded, and if you know, if you have a sense of who you are, which a lot of people sort of lose track of that along the way. A lot of people in in the music business certainly do, and again, I think it's because they they tend to sort of um, bow to a set of external expectations. Of, in terms of how people see them and then they let themselves be defined by by that you know the, there's a corporate sort of formula that would say about music if if something works run it into the ground <laughs> until it's gone and then move on but that's not really the the formula to try to aspire to be an artist in the long term and so I don't know I, I just think that, that you know uh, age comes but you know it's it's just so important to stay connected to your own feelings and connected to things you care about deeply and and to continue to take risks and to continue to seek things that are outside your comfort zone and and that will uh i think help to keep age uh, as just a number and not a defining factor 
That's a great answer, and it's why see it's why you're an inspiration as much as you are a musician. You know, we all have bands that we followed, but you're still around because we admire you, we respect you, we're inspired by you. Last question, kind of well, a quick thank one, you. A, 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 a tough one here. I know, as a songwriter, musician, you're a thinker, you're a great observer, and you're a questioner. So, from your unique perspective in life, the things you've seen. What have you learned? What do you wish you could pass along? What What do we not see that you wish we did? Oh, boy. I'm not sure I see anything you don't. You know, I think we all do our best. Um, I, I, just, I, I just think you have to try to be yourself, you know. I mean, it's funny. I've walked this line with with Fleetwood Mac where, you know, it was the large amount of commerce we were able to do that allowed me to sort of reject the idea of commerce and and to uh, embrace the idea of uh, maybe undermining commerce for the sake of of something a little more substantive and, and, and certainly something that allows you to keep growing as an artist. But, but I, I don't you know, I, I don't think I would have ever gotten to the point of having that insight without having had the, the commercial success that that we enjoyed. It, it enabled me to to make those set of choices. So I would, you know, I you just got to keep looking for things that are engaging and and things that help you help other people. You know. You know, we're so lucky, Lindsay, that you're still motivated to keep recording and to keep releasing because you're really, I guess, the answer to the question I just asked is in all of the songs that that you record and that you write. And the new album is really, it's fantastic. It's called Lindsay Buckingham, and it's wonderful. So, hey, folks, why not add a little new music in your life, new music from someone who helped create the soundtrack of your past? Great stuff from a great person, an inspiration. Tour information and everything else at lindsaybuckingham.com. Health and happiness to you, Lindsay. Hope it all works out. Thank you so much, Bill. Great talking to you. Up next, he made the transition from a world of crime to becoming a man of the cloth, and he dedicated himself to going back to reach out to help others. It's Bishop Vance Olds, next on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Calibrate. 
People who can't lose weight are often focused on willpower instead of biology. The Calibrate Metabolic Reset combines GLP-1 medication, one-on-one video coaching, and a holistic curriculum to help members lose 15% of their body weight on average. And Calibrate guarantees results. More information at joincalibrate.com. Centenarians are now the fastest growing demographic in much of the developed world. Within 10 years, there will be around a million centenarians worldwide. There are 90,000 in the U.S. right now, and within 25 years, there will be about 800,000. So is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that depends upon quality of life. Confined to a bed, unable to move or remember is something that I'd pass on. But if life can be like it is or was for the dozens of active centenarians that we've interviewed and produced stories on, then sign me up. The good news is that much of it is within our control. Genes account for only 30% of one's longevity. The other 70% is lifestyle, and the prescription for a long life is pretty much what your mother told you decades ago. Eat well, exercise regularly, don't smoke, and limit alcohol. But don't clean your plate. Mom was wrong on that one. We're a nation of overeaters, and extra weight does not lead to extra years. There are no obese centenarians. Well, as we all know, life is going to challenge us. It will knock us down, and then it will try to count us out. And the only question is, are we going to get back up, and are we going to come out swinging? Vance R. Olds has been knocked down. As a young man, he found himself in a world surrounded by drugs and crime. He spent years addicted to drugs and was living a lifestyle that really had no future. And then he says he was transformed by the power of God. He's the author of the book, From Cocaine to Collar, There is Hope for Everyone to Recover. But that's just a small part of Vance R. Olds, a small part of who he is today anyways. He's an ordained minister, a preacher, and a teacher. Uh, He's a father. He's a husband. He's a roller skating, dancing, stylish dude who is in love with life, and he brings life to all around him. So with that, Let's welcome the Bishop Vance R. Olds. Bishop, how are you doing today? Hello, my friend. I am grateful to be here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. We're grateful for your time. And I do want to get to your transformation, uh, to your resurrection, if you will. But first, I- I've got a confession to make to you, Bishop. Uh, I had no idea that you were a man of the cloth when I first learned of you, because I discovered you, as so many have on social media, you exploded during the pandemic. What led you, what led a bishop to TikTok of all places? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, my wife and I, we were, we were bored. We were in a house, we couldn't go anywhere. And I've been social media um, sort of calm already in social media so i found out about this app called tiktok and we tried the app and we were just having fun and one day my wife and i um she wanted to go on a a mini vacation because we were stuck in the house and i was really reluctant and apprehensive 
of going, but we went and we took our skates. We went to a beach and we were just going to skate on the boardwalk and um, share it on TikTok. And so we went to the beach that particular day and my wife saw this beautiful lake and she said, baby, could we just stop here and take a picture? I said, sure. So on the way from the, the beach, we stopped there and we took a picture, but I had noticed that this particular road was so smooth. The lines on the road was perfectly yellow. The road was almost just, just jet black. It looks like it hadn't been ridden on in, in months. And so I, and we had the skates in the trunk. I said, baby, I want to get out here and skate because we've been trying to find smooth roads because I haven't been to any skating rink. I got out on that road and she recorded me and um, we put it on TikTok. And the next morning I was getting calls that it was all over the world. And actually we didn't, we didn't plan it. We didn't have no strategy. We didn't have any type of uh, social media um, knowledge of how to allow people to see us. And all of a sudden we were all over the world. I got calls and I woke up. I was like, baby, they got the video all over the world. People were calling me from everywhere. And that's honestly how it happened. We were just doing what we do. We were having fun, loving on each other. No pressure. Wasn't trying to make no name or anything. And then God sort of exposed it to the world because I've been skating for 45 years. This is nothing new. And that's how it happened. You now have, uh, you're approaching 700,000 followers on TikTok. You've got another 300,000 on Instagram, of which I am one. Uh, and in a, in a very real way, I fell into the Bishop Olds trap because you now use skating to some extent to spread joy uh, and create an opportunity to, to spread the word as well, don't you, sir? Yes, absolutely. I believe that God strategized that. I had no idea that it would be skating. Um, that he would use as a bait to carry his name. And so that's my focus um, to bring joy, especially in this particular time we're in with the pandemic. People are suffering with anxiety, um, depression, paranoia, um, schizophrenia. It's just an awful time for the world. And I'm thankful that God will use someone like me just to spread love and joy and put a smile on the person's face every day. And he uses simple things like skating. It's not even a preaching from the pulpit. It's not feeding the hungry, clothing neck. It's something as simple as skating that will bring persons joy just for that moment of relief and release. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. And, you know, to, to look at you now, to, to watch you skate, to see you smile, to see the energy that you exude, the passion that you have, um, Man, you look like you are feeling so good and you are so well and you are so healthy, but it hasn't always been that way. Uh, as a young man, you started snorting cocaine. You then began smoking crack. You got addicted. Uh, but as you say, uh, you didn't get arrested. You got rescued. Uh, yes. How did that happen? Because so many people are unable to escape the clutch of addiction. Well, um, again, to be candid and perfectly honest, I knew that my life was unmanageable. I knew that um, drugs and that particular lifestyle had had my life totally altered for, from where I know that God intended for me to be and to do. And to be honest with you, I was just in the, in the streets doing what I do, trying to get and find ways, means to, to get more drugs, to get high. And one day I, I, I was in my bedroom. And this is an honest, an honest time. I was in my bedroom and I said, God, if you be real, 
um, deliver me from these drugs. Man, I was I was stealing from my family. I was robbing people uh, to do whatever I had to do by hook or crook to get high because my life was controlled by drugs. I did whatever I had to do. I mean, I, I, I stole from my own family and, um, and knew that I was doing wrong when I did it, but I was so trapped and so controlled by crack cocaine, I did it anyway. And I was tired. Um, I, I, have you ever been in a place that you knew you were doing wrong and you just couldn't stop? That's the place that I was in. And um, after I prayed and asked God, I still put that pipe in my mouth and I still smoked that crack. But approximately two weeks later, God sent angels in the form of PG County police and <laughs> rescued me and made me lie down. And then I was faced with 20 years, but um, no parole because I had previous charges. And when I was in my prison, I said, God, if you free me from these drugs and deliver me from this prison cell, I would tell the whole world about it. We are talking uh, to the inspirational uh, Bishop Vance R. Olds about his amazing transformation. Uh, yeah, Bishop, you made a deal and, and you kept your end of it. So God bless you for that. And did you stop skating for a while? Did you have trouble getting those moves back? I didn't. Actually, it's skating is like riding a bike. I've been skating for 45 years. I started at 10 o'clock. My mother used to take us to the matinee. And all the older gentlemen, they had the culture, they had the style. And, um, you know, I, I followed in pattern and be like them. Once I learned the style and once I learned the moves, it was just like a natural thing. And so the, the only thing you lose in skating is probably your stamina and your win. But your ability to have agility and balance and knowing some of the moves, it comes right back to you naturally. So I can just put on my skates and just roll like I never stopped. And that's what I did. Uh, I want to talk about your ministry, but but I have to ask, uh, do you have a favorite artist to skate to? Is there a favorite song? I, somehow I see Al Green. Well, well, I, to be honest with you, I don't really have a favorite artist that I skate to because I skate to the beat. Um, it can be it can be any tempo. If it's my tempo. Um, I can skate to it. Now, I've been asked to skate to different songs um, that's not my style or my tempo that I was raised in skating, but I learned how to appreciate other styles. But I don't need music to skate. I need a tempo. And now there's, there's, there's songs I like skating to, the old songs like the Isley Brothers, Al Green, like you um, related to. Um, a lot of the, the skate songs that we have during the day but there's some new songs that have the tempo that has a nice smooth groove. And so that's my style in the DMV. We kind of skate smooth, but fast. And so um, I've learned how to appreciate other styles, but it doesn't take the music. It's just the love of putting those wheels on and you gliding and being carefree and doing what you're called to do. Before we're done with this interview, I have to ask you about your wardrobe. I mentioned it briefly, uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, I'm going to ask you to put on your, your preacher man hat right now, if you will, because you practice what you describe as lifestyle evangelism. Uh, what is that, Bishop? What are people looking for that you deliver? Well, I, I believe in the world in which we live that persons are turned off by religion. They want a relationship with God. And so 
I believe lifestyle evangelism and in, in fact evangelism for me is the heartbeat of God. And so without evangelism, I don't think the church should exist because the church should exist to evangelize or to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, my vision of lifestyle evangelism is that people ought to see your life. They ought not just see you on Sunday morning and, and wearing um, priest garbs or acting a churchy way. They want to see you love your wife. They want to see people want to see a sermon, then hear a sermon. They want to see you enjoy life because Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so it is the rules and the dogmatic practices of religion that keeps people bound because persons can't do this, can't do that, can't wear this, can't wear that. I'm the one to show you what you can do and have the freedom of God because God loved us and gave us the grace now, grace is not a license to sin, but it's a grace as a license to live. The law and the rules won't allow you to live. I never read in the Bible where rules draw a man to God. The love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God draws man. And then man has his own process of sanctification as he grows one day at a time. And so... Um, I'm a no judgment zone type of man of God. I love much because I've been forgiven much. Some persons who haven't done anything, they don't have the tolerance for other people that's doing a lot of stuff. Me, I've been forgiven for so much, so I love hard. I'm patient with people who are going through. Not just on drugs. You've got doctors and lawyers that have pain. Pain don't discriminate. You have nurses and garbage men and teachers and those that are homeless that are going through. And I believe when you live a life and a life of God evangelism, you can touch anybody wherever they are and let them know that Jesus loved them no matter who they are. I think you're touching people right now. Uh, preach, uh, Bishop Olds. We really appreciate that. Uh, you do uh, lead an interdenominational fellowship. All are welcome. Tell us a little bit about the Liberty House Ministries, because uh, you stream some of these services live, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Every week. We've been doing it for 15 years, every week. And um, the name Liberty House literally came from my life. Um, because I've been liberated, I've been delivered, and God is continually, continually delivering me from just the life itself. And so Liberty House, um, I organized it in 2006, and it's a deliverance ministry. And not only from drugs, from, from anything, you can be addicted to sex, addicted to food, addicted to property, money, prestige, whatever makes your life unmanageable. And it becomes an addiction. You have to put a heart to it because it would affect you and everybody around you. And so, yes, I, we have a, 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 a interdenominational church that we, we love Jesus Christ. We teach Jesus Christ. We live the law of Christ. And that's love. That's love. That's the epitome of who Christ was. We love our brother. And no matter where you are, what you've done. We give the same grace to brothers or sisters that God gives grace to us, which means we forgive them, we love them, we forbear them, we be meek and lowly because that's what Jesus did. I wonder what will Jesus do if he was here? How how judgmental that we can be on people because they're doing this, that, and the other. Give people a process. 
Give people time. Be patient with people. Love people where they are. And that's the tenacity I have because people love me when I was a low down, good for nothing, scum on the earth, backbiting, whole mother, sinner on my way to hell. They love me until I learned to love myself. And so here I am today, 28 years later, loving people, giving back what was so freely given to me. And I love it. <laughs> that is a message that never goes out of style, but a voice that is needed more now than ever. Uh, you know, thank you so much for that. And, uh, and admittedly, uh, a very rough transition from something so profound and important. But before I let you go, I got to ask you about your suits. Uh, and, and folks, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some links so you can see how to check this man out. But um, you are on point when it comes to fashion. Have you always been that way? Does your wife help you with it? Or, uh, you know, wh where does this come from? Well, I have. I have always loved fashion. I have, I have been labeled as the um, dressing preacher, and I couldn't stand that because I'm a preacher that dressed. I don't like to be labeled, literally, I don't like to be even labeled as the skating bishop. I'm a bishop that skate. I'm not the dressing bishop. I'm a bishop that dress. Before I even thought about being a bishop, before I even thought about skating, my mother, she she was a fashion statement and I loved the dress. I all I wore suits. I I'm telling you the honest got true. I wore suits and ties and cowboy boots in high school. And I I just loved I just loved the dress and I kept on dressing and dressing and dressing and, and fashion. And I do have a clothing line that I'm pushing. It's called Advanced Collectioni. Advanced to your collection. From advanced from, from normal to advanced. And so I just have the the fashion statement. I can put colors together. I love to do it. I think I spent more time trying to figure out what I was gonna wear to high school the next day than I did studying. <laughs> well, you you know, you, you do it well. It, it is uh, authentic. Uh, it is you, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's like a costume that doesn't really fit or doesn't work, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised you've got a fashion line. I'm going to check it out because there's a couple of suits I've seen you skating in that, uh, I'd love to have for myself. Uh, you know, th this has been a lot of fun, uh, folks growing bolder, as you know, is about overcoming obstacles, which many times seem insurmountable but with the help and the inspiration of one another we can get it done bishop vance r olds is living proof and you can learn more about him and his ministry at libertyministries.com you should check out his book uh, it's a quick read it's a great read it's called from cocaine to collar it's on amazon and, and do yourself a favor because this is entertaining and inspiring follow him on instagram facebook and tiktok and not just for the inspiration but uh uh, for some uh, on-point fashion tips. Uh, really a great guy. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Bishop Olds. We really appreciate your time, and we look forward to continuing the conversation. Up next, what can a little splish splash do for you? Well, we're going to find out from a 96-year-old swimmer. This is Growing Boulder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com.
Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. The following interview was recorded before the passing of our guest. In the little town of Port Moody, British Columbia, Canada, lives a woman by the name of Mary Ann Cooper who has become the biggest celebrity in her area. At 106 years old, she's still gardening, still involved in her community, and still making a difference in the lives of others. I first met Mary Ann 10 years ago, and even then, she was nothing short of a major inspiration. There's plenty to cheer about at the U.S. Masters Swimming National Championships, including the presence of a dozen former Olympians. But this is something we can all cheer about, the growing number of stereotype-smashing older competitors. I'm going to try to finish before dark. <laughs> the oldest competitor in the meet is 96-year-old Mary Ann Cooper, a retired biologist who's traveled to Arizona from British Columbia, Canada. You've got to keep the old engine going, and uh, if you can get around, why not? <laughs> this old engine runs strong every day, according to Mary Ann's daughter, who is also competing. She lives every day at the fullest, and she never lets one challenge get by her. She goes every challenge. She says, I can do it, and uh, she does it, and sometimes slower, sometimes it takes her longer, sometimes she has, you know, but she does it. And today, she's doing it in the pool, competing in her specialty, the 100-yard backstroke, or as she calls it, an adventure. What do you enjoy most? What's the most fun for you in life? Adventures. (laughs) I like to explore and investigate things and get into things. I love projects, and I especially like to uh, work with people. You are very attractive. I, I, bet, I bet you've got men trying to take you out all the time. I'm looking for a tall, dark, and handsome one. <laughs> you still like the guys, huh? Of course. They're fun to do things with. I like them when they're adventuresome and lively and imaginative and uh, interested in everything. Marianne isn't trying to be a role model or even set an example, but with every stroke, she's doing just that. Everybody has a gift of life, and if they don't use it, they're missing out on some good adventures. The good Lord gave us gifts, and if we don't use them, we lose them. The more you let it go by, the less it is. Marianne's secret to long life is staying active, and her secret to enjoying life is celebrating the little things. I'm always looking for the, the little miracles, of, uh, not big, big things, but the little miracles, the nice, happy little things that happen are the most wonderful part of life. Like competing in the national championships with your 70-year-old daughter. Marianne Cooper didn't come here to win her age group, but she did. And she didn't come here to win the respect of every other competitor, but she did that as well. Another of life's little miracles.
What an incredible attitude she has. Uh, she certainly has the kind of outlook that you would think it takes to live a long, fulfilling life. And what was it, she said? Always looking for life's little miracles. Well, 10 years after meeting her, Marianne still has a curiosity for life, a respect for the environment, and a desire to inspire. She is certainly living an inspiring life in her 106th year. When we come back, what's on Mark's mind? This is Growing Boulder. Subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingboulder.com slash subscribe. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingboulder.com slash podcasts. My guards stood hard when abstract threats to noble to neglect. Hi, Mark Middleton. This is Growing Boulder. And now Bill and I chat a little bit about what's been on my mind. And, 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 you know, Bill, I think one of the greatest blessings that you and I have is the opportunity to do the stories and to talk and interview uh, to all the people that we do, because, you know, inspiration comes in many, many different forms. And, and folks, I think that's our mission here at Growing Boulder is, is simply to be translators of that inspiration, to, to, to go out and put the effort and energy into interviewing these people and extract what we can from them. And, you know, what's on my mind today, Bill, is an interview that I did recently with a guy by the name of John Rivers. And if you're in the state of Florida, you probably know John. Uh, John is a restaurateur, hasn't always been that. Uh, he was the president of a $1.5 billion healthcare company, but he always had a passion for barbecue. He spent 20 years refining his recipes and his techniques at home. And in 2009, he started what he called a barbecue ministry. He cooked barbecue to raise money to help those in need. And then at some point, he took over an old transmission shop in Winter Park, Florida, turned it into the first Four Rivers Smokehouse. Now there's 20 of them, and he continues to expand. But when the pandemic hit, Rivers' restaurant empire shut down overnight. Literally everything went black. And instead of feeling sorry for himself, he, he went to work. And what he found out is that when restaurants stopped buying produce, it set in the fields and it began to rot. At the same time, schools were closed and kids from underprivileged neighborhoods who relied on that single lunch meal every day no longer got it. And when their parents lost their jobs, all of a sudden food insecurity, not just for kids but for families, was at an all-time high in the state of Florida. So what did John Rivers do? John Rivers put together a fleet of trucks who drove throughout the state, went to farmers, and said, listen, we want the produce that's in your field. If you need a little bit of money to harvest it, we'll pay you for that. Uh, if you can help us out, that's great. They put all of this food in, into their trucks, and they brought it back, and they ended up creating 322 jobs for people to take the produce and to turn it into meals. And then they went to 46 uh, sites throughout the state of Florida and fed people on a weekly basis. They called this initiative Feed the Need. It's still going on, and they're now approaching 2 million meals that have been distributed in just a little over a year. We're not all John Rivers. We don't have the resources to do what he did, but, you know, like he says, 
it's a community. We all can help one another, and sometimes it takes nothing more than a word, a sentence, an, uh, an encouragement to help people out. That's such a great story, Mark, and thank you for sharing that. And I think what it shows, what all the Growing Boulder stories show, that even in times of your biggest challenge, there, that's, when you're, that's when the magic happens. That's when you find a way to turn it around, and it often involves helping other people because that's, that's how you help yourself. That's how you get out of difficult situations. You reach out to others because we're all in this together, and we can lift each other up. You know, you know I love that. And one of the things that, that, that I still hear him saying, and he says it very, very slowly, I said, John, it's, it's such a big deal to try to do what you did. Uh, and he said, and I'm quoting him now, if your dream doesn't require a miracle, you're not dreaming big enough because that's where the blessing is. It's leaning in, taking that first step, even though you don't think you can do it. That's amazing. And when you hear these stories on Growing Boulder, folks, they're not about the people you're hearing about. They're how they relate to you. So get out there and start Growing Boulder. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC. All rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. Proud, neat, heated, proud. Ah, but I was so much older then I'm younger than that now Half right prejudice leap for Rip down all hate I scream Lies that life is black and white Spoke from my skull I dream Romantic flanks of musketeers Foundation deep somehow Oh, but I was so much older then I'm younger than that now In a soldier's stance I aim my hand At the mongrel dogs who teach Fearing not I'd become my enemy In the instant So much older then, I'm younger than that now. older than